passage, Genesis 22, a very famous passage, where Abraham has received the promise of a son and is asked to give him up. Start reading. And it came to pass, I'll start verse 1, we just read the whole story to start with. Genesis 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham. And he said unto Abraham, He said unto Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for a burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen, or in the, it's God will provide. Jehovah-Jireh, God will provide. I was listening to a, a, a chap on the, an Iranian revolutionary who'd become a Christian, and he mentioned Jehovah-Jireh, and that was only yesterday, and I, it, it, it did something, God showed me something about God providing we very often look at this and we see, and this is a very good type of Christ being provided as the lamb offering. And that is what God provides. He provided us with a lamb and his name is Jesus. The lamb who takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist said. But there's a lot more in the story about God providing than just that. There's a, there's a whole area around it. Remember, he said, the little boy said, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? There was something missing. Now, he was not used to this because he'd been brought up with Abraham. 
And Abraham was the richest person there was in the whole area. He was so wealthy, he never had any lack. So to go without a lamb, I thought, this is not right. Because that was where he lived. He lived in a place of abundance. Isaac lived in a place of abundance. And because of what Jesus did, we live in the same place. And Isaac can be a picture of Jesus laying his life down, but can also be a picture of where we live. Because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. We're in him. The picture of the, the picture of Christ laying his life down. We can is it's a picture of Isaac. We can be in the same place. Now let's have a little look then. The law will provide. Hallelujah. Jehovah Jireh is the first one of the seven redemptive names that God gives to us. Is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Shalom, peace. Ra, the shepherd. Jireh, provide. Nisi, our banner. Tosainu, our righteousness. And Rapha, our healer. There's lots of other ones, but there's those seven are redemptive names of God. There's seven of them. And he, this is the first one. So it's important, as I said, the first time God starts to expose himself in his names is here. He starts to expose his character. And his character is that he sees and he, or he, he provides. He provides everything. He says, in him we live and move and have our being. Now that's not just talking, that's talking about everybody. In him was life, a life was like the world. He liked every man that came in. The world was made by him. Everything proceeds, everything we have proceeds from him, our provider. That's just in the worldly sense, isn't it? He keeps us, he looks after us, he looks after the birds of the air. So everything he provides. But for us, there's a bigger provision. There's not just a physical provision, there's a spiritual provision. A a riches in Christ, which he's provided. We can enter in, because of Christ, into the same covenant relationship that Isaac had. Let's have a look at some. Where we were in Ephesians 2. We've got quite a few little scriptures to look at. In Ephesians 2. If I can find it. <laughs> Ephesians 2, I should have just better quote it really. 12. That in times past, without Christ, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were sometimes far off. We've been made one. We've been, there, there we've been made bought nigh. We've been brought into the same covenant as Isaac was in. We've been brought into the same covenant relationship that Isaac had with his father and we have with our father in heaven. The same where he provides us everything. We've been grafted in, it says in Romans 11, 7. We've been grafted in the wild olive into the the true olive, the natural olive. We've been grafted in. We're grafted into the same promises and the same covenants. What he's done, that's what he's done for us. As Christians. For those in the world, that's not true of them, but it's true of us. Because he's done. He's grafted us into the same covenant. 
We have been, in Ephesians 1.5, it says, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. We're children of God. Same as Isaac was a child of, of Abraham. A seed of promise. This is the promise that was made a long, long time ago. We're part of it. We're in the same promise. We really are. In second Romans 8, lots of people like Romans 8. <laughs> Wonderful chapter. It says in verse 15. Right, for many as, right, if many of you are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He's my father. That's, they had some idea about that in Jewish traditions, because they, they talked about them being their sons. So, that, you know, that Israel was their son. And he talked about it quite a lot in the prophecies, my child, children. But the fatherhood of God and the type which we have was, was, was unknown to them. Intimate relationship with him. Isaac was an heir to the promise. Let's read about that in Genesis 21, verse 12. And this is when uh, Isaac has been born and Hagar uh, and his, uh, Ishmael were, were uh, being a bit nasty. Uh, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she was born unto Abraham, mocking. So God said unto Abraham in verse 12, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hark unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In Isaac, the seed. That's the, that's the promise. That's that, that line all the way down to Jesus from Adam. That promise. The promise of God and the, of the Messiah was going to come. And all that promise as we come. We are of children. It says in, in, in Galatians 3, 29... says, there are no, neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, the male or female. For you be Christ and you are Abraham's seed, heirs of the promise. So I'm trying to get you to see that when we look at Isaac, who's the seed of the promise, you're in the same seat. You're living in the same house. You're in the same family. You're sitting at the same table. Wonderful. <laughs> what he had, we have. All the promises are in him. They're in Christ Jesus, and we're in him. Wow, isn't that incredible? All those covenant promises that he look after us, that there will never, never be a seed not sitting on the throne. Christ Jesus himself. Hallelujah. We have everything. As everything is provided in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So he is our Jehovah Jireh in Christ. He provides everything for us. So God 
provided everything for us, just like Abraham has provided everything for Isaac. And you'll find that he provided everything. Abraham was the one who had to dig wells. Isaac didn't, he just unblocked them. Abraham was the one who bought the, bought the, um, the tomb where Isaac eventually left. He didn't have to buy his own tomb. Abraham went, got his own wife for him. Didn't he? You see, everything, almost everything, we read about Isaac, Abraham had supplied it to him. So that's why he knew that God would provide. Because he had learned that God provides. Because he provided with his son. He was a man of faith. And he knew God would provide. Whatever he needed, the provision was there. So that's why when he went up, he said God will provide himself a lamb. He didn't know how that... He, that was, must have been a word of faith coming out of his relationship with God. He didn't know. Because he says in Hebrews, well, maybe he could raise him back up again. He knew there was a God of the impossible. He was a God of the impossible, always. The God of the miraculous. Because he knew Isaac was his miraculous son. Because it was a miracle. Just like we're miracles. We have to be miracles. We're the biggest miracle there is in the world. There are lots of miracles in the world, but they all finish when the person, if the person has a miracle, all finishes when that person dies. But the miracle you have never finishes. It's eternal, everlasting. That's why it's the biggest, greatest miracle ever of being saved. Wow. We have lots of miracles, but this is the only one that goes on for eternity. It's our salvation. Hallelujah. Right. Let's look in Genesis 26, 5. We're going to keep popping back between Genesis and the New Testament to see that we're on the right track. And these little things. So let's look at some of the things. Genesis 26, 5. That's the right verse. Now, this is, this is the Lord speaking to Isaac when he went down into Egypt. He said, don't go into Egypt. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all the countries that I will perform the oath, which I swear unto, thy fa- unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to be multiplied as the stars of the heaven. I will give thy seed all these countries, and in, the, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be best, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept charge of my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Because Abraham was obedient and believed, that's what Isaac lived in. Because he was living in the obedience of Abraham. And we live in the obedience of Christ. It's not because I've obeyed to get myself into heaven. It's because he obeyed. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why was he beloved son? Because he'd done everything. And when he went on the cross, he said, it is finished. I've done everything in these prayers. I've done everything I was told to do. I only do what Father says. He obeyed completely. Just like Abraham. He had faith and obeyed. And we enter in under the same thing because we're in him. We enter in under his obedience. We're righteous because he was righteous. Because of his obedience. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible because we live in the same house. 
the house of obedience. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 6, 20. I'll stick this back in here this time. <laughs> in Hebrews 6, 20. I love Hebrews. It's some fantastic thing. Right. Uh, where should we start with? We have a hope, an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into with it, that within the veil, whither the forerunner for us is entered, even Jesus. See, he was the forerunner before us, just as Abraham was a forerunner before Isaac. Isaac lived underneath what Abraham had already built. He lived under the blessing of what Abraham had built. The flocks, all the stuff, all the servants, everything was under, was came from Abraham. It was not, I didn't, I didn't work for any of it. And we don't have to work for any of it. We have to receive it and enter into it. Just the same. It's the same thing. We have to enter in. In, in Genesis 25, 5, we read an incredible thing. Oh. In 25, and Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. Now, if we're, talking, if we're taking the picture of us being Isaac and Abraham being our father, God, he's given us all things in Christ. He's given us all things in Christ. He's given us the fullness of everything. Everything you ask us to do, we can do. Everything he asks us to enter into, we can enter into. Every revelation he gives to us, we should enter into it because he's given us the fullness. The fullness is in him, in his son. Everything that he has, he gives to us. We live, under, we live in the same tent. We eat at the same table. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he received it where he was. Abraham had to go. Jesus had to come, but Abraham had to go. Can you see? They had to do the moving. Abraham, God spoke to Abraham and told him to go. And he went. And in his believing, in his going, he became rich. When Jesus came down, he became poor so that we might become rich. Isn't that an incredible picture? You see, he, he sent his own son down. Isn't that a wonderful thing? He, Abram, had to move. <clears throat> In Ephesians 1 4, it says, You see, when Abraham went down, Isaac was in him. He was in him as a seed. He was in him as a seed. He was in him as the promise. It was in him. So as he walked down through there, he was in, it's like you, 
were in your father, and he was in it's the seed is in the person before. So the seed was already in Isaac, in, in Abraham. Isaac was he was there. It was there. It says in uh, in Ephesians one, just the same with us. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. In the same way, we were in him before we were ever appeared. We were in him, in Christ Jesus. The same way that Isaac was hidden inside of Abraham. And he was in the heart of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So he doesn't have to go anywhere. What does it say in Romans 10? A very famous verse, 10.10. See, we think we have to go somewhere. But the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh in this wise. Say not in thy heart, who shall send up to heaven to go up there to bring Christ down? Or who shall descend in the deep, that's to go down and bring Christ up? But what is it? The word is nigh thee, it's here. It's here. It's nowhere else. It's here. It's in you. In the heart, the word of faith, which we preach. It's here. We don't have to go somewhere like Abraham. We're it. We can just, as we speak it out, we're there. We're in it. Just us now. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> we speak it out and we're there. Because it's in us. We don't have to go and search for it. We don't have to go and listen to God and go over there. It's inside you. The life, the, it's in you. The life's in you. Don't have to go anywhere else. God's provided it. He came down because we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't. We were without hope. So he came down. Hallelujah. He came down. You see, Abraham... We live with Abraham. In Hebrews 11 it says, that he sojourned and wandered in the land of promise, Hebrews 11.9, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. See, they lived together. He dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob. That was where the promise was. The promise was there. He wasn't, he'd already, he'd already moved and done his bit, Abraham. He'd done what God had said. And because he had that faith to do what God said, it brought forth life that they could all enter into. And we can do the same. The word is nigh us. So that we can receive everything. <coughs> In Colossians 2, 3. Two, three. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's in Christ Jesus. The mystery of God and the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all these things. They're all in him. We don't have to go anywhere else. They're all in him. The word, Abraham didn't have to go anywhere after God, after this when, when, I, and when he got to where God had told him to, because the promise was there. That was it. And Isaac entered into the same promise. He entered into that, didn't he? The same promise. 
into the fullness of what God had, had for him. In um, 9 and 10, it says, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We're complete in him. We're complete as, I, as a type of Isaac. We have, we have our God who supplies our need. Isn't that wonderful? He supplies everything we need. Our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs. Every need was supplied. You see, we always spoke about, about he had his, his wife was given to him. Just told the servant to go and get him a wife. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> fellowship. We see we have fellowship because he's called the people. We didn't have to go and find it. He called it. We, we don't know how we took that. We don't know how we got here at this church. We haven't. We really don't know. We sit and wonder about how did, how did God get us here? <laughs> but that's God, isn't it? He brings us into fellowship, just like He does when he, he sees we need fellowship, and He brings us in. He needed Isaac needed a wife, so Abraham did it for him. And we, we could read all these stories. Isaac was the one who received. And we have to learn to receive, believe and to receive. Sometimes we want to work for it. Now there is a bit of work and we will see a bit of work a bit later on. There's something else that happened to Isaac, which he didn't do. And that's in Genesis 21, 4. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And that was in chapter 17. I can just see it quickly. Is it, I think? 17, 11. Where he was commanded, you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant between us. So there's a circumcision which was there as a token of the covenant, and he was circumcised. Now there's something... He couldn't, Isaac couldn't do. He was too weak to do the command. It had to be done by Abraham. And we were too weak to enter in, to do anything. He says we were weak. That's Romans 8 3. No. For what the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son and likeness and of sinful flesh for, for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. We were too weak. Just like Isaac was too weak, he was unable to circumcise himself. He couldn't keep the command to be circumcised. Abraham had to do it for him. We were too, we were too weak through our inability to circumcise and get rid of the old flesh, weren't we? That's what happened. But we were circumcised without hands. Let's look at that in Colossians 2.11. It says, In whom you were also circumcised with a circumcision without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. So we, just like Isaac, we've been circumcised. Without, not by, we didn't do it. 
God did it. He cut off our old life from us and put it away. (laughs) We didn't do it. We couldn't do it because we were too weak in the flesh. We saw the law show that we, we, we should be doing this, yet we were weak because we couldn't do it. So God did it for us, just the same as he did for Isaac. To enter into what? Into the covenant. That was the reason. So we cut off our old life so that we could enter into We couldn't have the old life in with the covenant because it wouldn't work. So we had to cut our old life off. We died in Christ on that cross. My old life died in Christ on that old cross. Wow! <laughs> There's lots of things we can So many things we can't do. But God is our provider. He comes and provides a sacrifice to do the things we can't do. <laughs> when Jesus said it was finished on the cross, he jolly well meant it. <laughs> really wonderful. I get so excited when you look at some of these things. You see? <laughs> he says he gave us a new heart. That was him Ezekiel. He said, I'll put a new heart inside you. Take away the old one and put a new one. And lots of people have heart transplants these days, but we got one before they ever tra- ever had one. Jesus came along and gave us a heart transplant. Paul had a heart transplant, didn't he? From Saul, he came Paul. Changed completely, instantly. And people think that's, that's of an example far above what we can, we can us, us ordinary people can attain. No, it was normal. I believe the type of life change that Paul had, Saul had to Paul, was normal. When the Spirit of God moving and there's a revival going on, people are instantly changed. When Jesus comes and touches their lives and the power of God comes and catches them up, then they're changed completely forever. And there's only something our Father can do. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) Hallelujah. So we were circumcised in the heart, something we couldn't do, we tried, but we failed. But God came and did it for us. Isn't it wonderful? In, we read a little bit about this. It's a similar picture, really. That was about our inability to do things. But in, uh, in uh, 21.12, we read a little bit about this when we saw that, um, that God said to Abraham about Isaac being his seed and to cast out the bondwoman and the son. That's in uh, 12, 12 to 14. Uh, uh, and he said, Of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation also a seed. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. So Abraham did it. Isaac didn't do it. He was only a child. But God told Abraham, you do this. You send the bondwoman away. The bondage is sent away by God through Christ on our lives. The bondwoman of slavery has been taken away. It's been sent away. We don't have to live under the bondage of, a, of somebody mocking us. No. Our old life doesn't have, have to come and mock us anymore because our old life has been put away. The bond person of religion and trying and all those sorts of things and the old life has been put to one side. Abraham sent it away. Sent away the bondwoman, Didn't he? Cast at Ishmael. 
in Galatians 4, which is a good, where it, where, where it speaks about this quite a bit. In Galatians 4, 30 to 31. Oh, but no, brethren, as I as it was, are the children of promise. We, brethren, as I as it was, are the children of promise. But as then he was born after the flesh, persecuted him, he was born after the spirit. Even so, it is now nevertheless what saith Scripture. Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir, but the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but we're free. <laughs> we're free. We're not just like Isaac was free. He was free from the mocking, from all the upset in the family home. He was free from it. Because Abraham had heard God, and God had said, no, I don't want it. Don't want it for my son. Don't want it for the seed of promise. The seed of promise doesn't have to have this on his, in his house. Out with it. Out with it. And so for us, it's out with the old. The old life, the mocking of the old life. All those things you say, oh, well, you're still like this, you still feel like this. No, that's, there's no condemnation for us. It's not, it's not, it doesn't belong to me. It's nothing to do with me. All that stuff I used to do won't inherit the kingdom of God. It has to go. It's gone. On Christ, it's gone. Just like Egypt, it's gone. It's the other side of the sea, it's gone. The sea's closed, it's can't, you can't go back. And that's what God's done for us. We're the seed of promise. And God has separated us from the bondage. Just like he did with Isaac. Hallelujah. We were bondage, we were bound to the old law. But it says in Romans 6, we were crucified with him. So that old life and all that other rubbish is gone. And we live in newness of life today. The wonderful, wow, <laughs> all these things he's provided for us, which we didn't have to work for. Hallelujah. We've spoken a little bit about the obedience. You see, when he went, he says in Genesis 22, we saw that he went where, wherever his father told him to go. He had learned that his father had, was a person under obedience of God, and so he, was, he just behaved the same way. He was obedient to his father. Just like Jesus was. And so, when he took the son, Isaac, down, he was willing to go with him. He was willing to lay on the altar. Now, what an amazing thing. It doesn't say he struggled. And that's where God brings us in Christ. That we, can, we can't do it. But because of Christ was obedient unto death, he said, we have to take up our cross daily. Now, when you tell, that, tell people that, they think, oh, it's a hard saying. But in Christ, as far as I can see from the picture, it's not easy for Christ. To, but we are given the ability to lay our lives down because we're with someone who was an obedient father. And Jesus was obedient. And we, lay, we can lay our lives down because he gives us the power to do it, and the, and, and the desire to do it, because we have now the same heart as Christ had, that he obeyed his Father. He had simple obedience. And simple obedience brings authority. 
Remember the centurion? He said, you, I see what you do. And everything, you see, I tell this person to go there and do that, and they have to do it. And he said, all you have to do is say. It's because he saw. Jesus said, nuts, nobody else I've seen has had faith like this man. Because he understood that a person under obedience was a person in authority. Had to be under obedience. Under authority, in obedience, was the person who had faith. Because he, was, he heard what God said and did it. And that's where faith is. Abraham heard God. He, was be, he obeyed. And we don't like the word obedience in the church. Oh, it's all heavy. But obedience, is, it brings joy. It always brings joy. For the joy that was before him, he obeyed and went to the cross. It brings joy. We have joy. Even through the suffering, we have the joy. Because we're looking, he's looking, Jesus was looking beyond what he was having to go through. Hallelujah. We mentioned the wells, and you say, well, isn't there something we've got to do? Do we just receive everything, and that's it? We just sit back and say, right, I'm just receiving everything. Haven't I got to do something? There's a lot of verses in the Bible that say, faith without works is dead, and shows that Abraham had faith, but he had to go and do something. Let's go and look at these wells which um, Abraham had dug in chapter 26, 18. Isaac pitched his tent in the valley of Gerah and dwelt there. And Isaac dig again the wells of water which had been dug, digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there the well of the springing water. Sometimes we have to dig and remove the stuff and the rubbish. He says that we have to mortify our bodies. We have to put it aside, the old self. But you see, it brings up fresh springs of living water. The rubbish has just been there. The enemy wants to put rubbish in their lives, and it could be anything. It could be doubts. It could be fears to stop the flow. It could be unbelief about what God has said. It could be a myriad of things which are blocking your well. But the well is there. Jesus said there'll be a well springing up. But the Philistines, who were the enemies, threw rocks down the well and blocked them up. But they could still be seen because they dug them out again. You see, they're still there. Even if you don't feel it's there, they're still there. They might be under a pile of bricks or rubbish, but the well's still there. And all you have to do is to go back to the, um, the well digger and let him out, pull it out. Let him deal with the rubbish in your life. And your well will start to flow again. And it says that they had, what did they have? They found springing water, just like Jesus said there would be. Springing water inside, gushing up into everlasting life. Springing up. Have you heard of a well springing? Well, this is a different top. Maybe it's a, an incredible well or something. It's a springing 
bubbling up well, coming from inside us. Because, why? Because we have the life of Christ in us. But you see, the well was already there. It had already been dug. The well has already been dug by Christ. It's already been provided. And sometimes we just let it get filled up with rubbish. And the enemy comes and fills. And so that's the only thing we have, the IC, the only work that Isaac had to do. <laughs> There's one little thing I want to look at before we finish. Abraham started with his name Abram. And God changed it to Abraham. Sarah started off, Sarah started off as Sarah. And she was started into Sarah. Jacob was changed to Israel. What happened to the name of Isaac? Never, never changed. Why? Because it means laughter. <laughs> you see, that well of joy inside us, we doesn't need a name change. <laughs> We've got it. We've already got the name change. We're living in Isaac. <laughs> you see, Abraham needed a name change. He needed the spirit of God to be breathed on him. Sarah did. The <sighs> of God from Sarai to Sarah to Abraham. The breath of God. But Isaac lived underneath the breath of God. You see? He lived in the blessing of God. The blessing of Abraham. And he's why he's called laughter. <laughs> Let's read in John 16. I was excited when I saw that. <laughs> John 16, 20. Let's go back to 19. I asked him a question. He said, do you inquire among yourselves that I said a little while and you shall not see me, and again a little while and you shall see me. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, or amen, I say unto you, you, you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And you shall sorrow, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. A woman, when she is in travail, have sorrow, because the hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish, for the joy that a man is born into the world. Ye know therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man shall take away. No man. You're an Isaac. Laughter in our souls. With joy unspeakable. Full of glory. That's why he doesn't need to have a name change, because he's there. That's, we've been, we have already had our names changed. We're living under an, an Abraham who, breathed, who had God breathed on him and breathed on Sarah so that we could be produced. The breath of God, just like he did with, with, the, with the old bit of earth laying in the, in the garden. He breathed on it and it became a living soul. He breathed, he, and that's the picture of what happened to Isaac. The breath, the breath of God came upon them. And he became alive. It was a miracle. And you're a miracle. And that's why you don't need your name changed. You're an Isaac who's full of laughter and joy. I want to have a read at Psalm 126. 
When the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. <laughs> there was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. Turn, they, they turn again, O captivity of Zion, as the streams of, of south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth shall bear precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's what we were like, but now we come with rejoicing. Because he lives in us. His joy no one can take away. We're an Isaac for eternity. It's an eternal work that he's done for us. He's plunged us into the victory that was won by Abraham and by Jesus. We're plunged into him, what he's done, the fullness of everything that Christ has, and we haven't had to work for it. For by grace, you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift. If you look in the scriptures, it says repentance is a gift. It's all a gift. Because we've been chosen. Everything, everything that Isaac had was given to him. And he didn't have to work for any of it. He worked with it, what he was given, but he didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to work for it. Because he was blessed. Because Abraham was blessed. Because the breath of God had come upon him and caused him to come alive. Isn't it wonderful what God has done for us? He's caused us to become alive and enter in to all the blessings that Abraham had. All the blessings Abraham had. We live under the blessings of Abraham because we are united with the type of, of, of Isaac and that's Christ. In Christ, we have everything. In Christ, everything is for us today. With joy, we shall draw from our wells of salvation today. Great is our thankfulness for you, Lord for what you've done for us. That you brought us into your family. That you look after us. You keep us. You put a, you put a tent over us. You cover us. And you look after us. And because of Christ. Not because of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful, wonderful word. Amen. Amen.